Welcome to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr. Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care, 2949 Elmwood Avenue in Kenmore. Now, here's your host, Dr. Siddiqui. In Arabic, the word for peace is salam. Sounds very familiar and refers to a hope of world peace and end of war. Meanwhile, the Hebrew word is shalom. Just an accent different. Goes straight to the heart because the true biblical shalom means inward sense of completeness or wholeness. Islamic greeting of Assalamu Alaikum or Jewish greeting of Sholom Alaikum, peace be upon you, comes from the same God, folks, because salutations are the same. I bring in this program with a song of carpenters hurting each other, indeed tearing each other apart. This is why I play. This song right at the beginning, folks.
Folks, radio was supposed to die in 1945. When TV came along, it turns out that radio grew and grew and grew, and it's a bigger business today than it was ever been. Demise doesn't happen that easily. Now, welcome to Conversation on Healthcare with your buddy, Dr. Majid Siddiqui, MD where I bring you our biggest health challenges and takes you back in the medical history, and then I bring you to the latest medical news. Let me start today back and forth, just like before, with the latest treatments on heart disease and stroke. But I have to take you back in time. 1,445 years back, then into our modern times, inspired by latest publication of a book on correlation with modern scientific knowledge in the two-volume book called The Clear Signs of Quran by M. Hamid Siddiqui, available for purchase from Amazon and Furqan uh, publications wherever. An excellent work of Hamid Siddiqui to bring the great religions Judaism, Christianity, and Islam together in these times of division of not only my nation, the United States of America, but the whole world. This book is most informative on scientific signs mentioned in Quran. Prophet Muhammad spoke against the practices of pagans 1,445 years ago. Pagans who discarded evidence, causes and laws of nature, believing in mysterious causes and powers of charm, talisman, tricks, practices of sorcerers and quacks. Hamid Siddiqui's book summarizes those, these scientific signs mentioned 1,445 years ago in the scripture. An excellent book indeed, folks, that I would recommend to you mentioning the verses at par with the modern scientific knowledge. And now, from the official website of United States government, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the National Institutes of Health, the National Center for Biotechnology Information Advances Science and Health by providing access to biomedical and genomic information. From the United States of America National Library of Medicine, I quote the following verses that are mentioned with references without prejudice and bias from this research source, which is a government source, about few verses of Quran. Chapter 7, verse 31 states, Eat and drink healthy, be not be prodigal. This is not to be excessive. Quran Chapter 20, verse 81, eat and drink, but avoid excess. Quran chapter 2, verse 195, and make not your own hands contribute to your own destruction, that is harm. All these are mentioned on the National Institute of Health, nowhere from the same source. Prophet Muhammad said, there are two blessings which many people do not appreciate health and leisure. When people ask, O messenger of God, Prophet, should we take medicines for any disease? Prophet Muhammad replied, Yes, O you servants of God, take medicines as God has not created a disease 
without creating a cure except for one. They all asked at once, which one? And he replied, the process of our body getting into the old age. Lastly, but not the least, Quran chapter 5, verse 32. And if anyone saved a life, it would be as if he has saved the life of the whole humanity. Lastly, the prophets quoted, There are two blessings which many people do not appreciate, health and leisure. Now, thanks to the decades of research, Americans are living longer, yet chronic diseases still affect large swaths of population and are are unevenly distributed, creating health disparities. These chronic illnesses are common and costly, and many are preventable. National Institutes of Health researchers consider the basics of the religions of the population, translation of scripture, information, clinical and community-based in tackling these challenges head-on, our biggest health challenges, folks. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live, right? That's no-brainer. Let's build wellness rather than treat disease. You can control everything in your life, but you can control what you put in your body. Whenever some of my patients say that, Dr. Siddiqui, you are the best, I tell them that. The seven best doctors for you are sunshine, water, rest, air, exercise, meditation, and healthy controlled diet. So folks, take over control of yourself.
folks, let me take you back in the medical history. In the years after World War II, heart attacks killed thousands of middle-aged Americans, many of them soldiers who have returned from the conflict since then. The National Institutes of Health research has fueled major progress, beginning with the landmark Framingham Heart Study in 1940s. Key risk factors were identified for cardiovascular disease, including smoking, cholesterol, high blood pressure, and diabetes. Research studies funded by National Institutes of Health then tested interventions to reduce those risks showing they could work. These included cholesterol and blood pressure-lowering drugs and lifestyle modifications such as physical activity, a healthy diet, and quitting smoking. Since 1969, heart disease deaths have dropped nearly 70%. That's the good news. But the bad news is that stroke still strikes an American once every 40 seconds and can have a catastrophic consequences for a person's ability to function. In the mid-90s, National Institute of Health Research led to approval of the drug tissue type plasmonogen activator, in short TPA, which dissolves stroke-causing clots if given soon after symptoms appear. More recent studies showed that inserting a balloon catheters to remove the brain clots can prevent further damage in people suffering major strokes. National Institutes of Health No Stroke Awareness Campaign has helped thousands to learn to recognize stroke as a medical emergency and seek immediate help. That's the good news. I call impending stroke as brain attack, just like we all know the heart attack. Yet with heart disease and stroke still the leading causes of death for both United States men and women, more research is needed. Because more than 877,500 Americans die of heart disease, stroke, and other cardiovascular disease, Every year, folks. NIH-funded scientists currently are looking to the power of precision medicine to better understand and manage these disorders. The efforts will combine molecular data with that from behavioral, imaging, environmental, and clinical studies to predict, prevent, diagnose, and treat illness based on person's unique genes, lifestyle, and molecular signatures. Medical science has evolved and advanced to intervene at our molecular level, which is a very good news. Heart disease and stroke are the first, heart disease first, and the fifth leading causes, fifth is stroke, causes of death in this nation. CDC supports programs that help millions of Americans control their high blood pressure and prevent risk factors for heart disease and stroke and reduce health disparities, which are differences in health across different geographic, racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic groups. These efforts have helped lower death rates from heart disease and stroke. In our nation, United States of America, cardiovascular disease caused one in three deaths of more than 859,000 
people each year. Cost-wise, $216 billion in healthcare system and $147 billion are lost productivity on job from premature deaths. One of my patients said, Dr. Siddiqui, you are concerned about my high blood pressure. Next time, please don't leave me sitting in the waiting room for one hour. And moreover, you told me to lose weight. But I don't like to lose anything after losing my home and reputation after my wife took me to the cleaners. I don't like to lose anything after losing my home and reputation, he repeated. I said, hey, Tom, you have high blood pressure, so calm down. High blood pressure? Well, Dr. Siddiqui, it comes from my family. Your mother's side or your father's side? I questioned. Neither, Tom replied. It is from my wife's family. How could your wife's family give you high blood pressure? I sighed. You ought to meet them sometime, Doc. A man suffered a serious heart attack while shopping in a mall. The store clerk called 911 when they saw him collapse to the floor and losing consciousness. The paramedics rushed the man to the nearest hospital where he had emergency open heart bypass surgery. He awakened from the surgery to find himself in the care of nuns at the Catholic hospital. A nun was seated next to his bed holding a clipboard loaded with several forms and a pen. She asked him how he was going to pay for the treatment. Do you have health insurance? she asked. He replied in raspy voice, no health insurance. The nun asked, do you have any money in the bank? He replied, no money in the bank. Do you have a relative who could help you with the payments, asked the irritated nurse. He said, I have only a spinster sister and she's a nun. The nun became agitated and announced loudly, Nuns are not spinsters. Nuns are married to God. The patient replied, Perfect. Send the bill to my brother-in-law. You're listening to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr. Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care, 2949 Elmwood Avenue in Kenmore. Call 716-800-3040. Hometown WLVL, 1340 AM. For all your health care needs, trust Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians. With 37 years of experience, Dr. Majid Siddiqui cares for patients of all ages. From pediatrics to geriatrics, you'll be seen by medical doctors with on-site state-of-the-art machinery for emergency or routine care. Located at 2949 Elmwood across from Kenmore Mercy, walk-ins are welcome, most insurance accepted. Payment options are available. Call 716-800-3040 for Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians. Let's get back to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr. Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care in Kenmore. Once again, Dr. Siddiqui. High blood pressure, folks. 
is a leading cause of heart disease and stroke because it damages the lining of the arteries, making them more susceptible to build up of plaque, which narrows the arteries leading to the heart and brain. About 116 million U.S. adults, nearly one in two, have high blood pressure, which is defined as 130 systolic over 80, which is diastolic millimeter of mercury. Anything above this, about one in four of these people have their high blood pressure under control. About seven in 10, that is 70% who have first heart attack and 80% in people who have first stroke have high blood pressure. Eating too much salt, sodium, can lead to high blood pressure. Americans aged two years or older consume average about 3,400 milligram of sodium each day. Well over 2,300 milligram recommended by the dietary guidelines for Americans. More than 70% of the salt or sodium Americans consume is added much before they purchase the food home not added as salt at the table or during home cooking, which is additional salt. High, low-density lipoprotein cholesterol can double a person's risk of heart disease. That's because excess cholesterol can build up in the walls of the arteries and limit blood flow to a person's heart, brain, kidneys, other organs, and legs. Although 86 million U.S. adults could benefit from taking medicine to manage their high, low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, only about half, 55%, are doing so. People can improve their blood pressure and cholesterol levels by eating a healthy diet. That is how, that is, uh, how you can control low-sodium intake, low-salt intake, being physically active, Maintaining a healthy weight and taking medicines as recommended. Not being a couch potato, folks.
I wonder at times, folks, what the world is looking for, the humanity is looking for. Millions and millions of folks are taking the harmful drugs, street drugs, to get high. But diabetics are the only people who take drugs to avoid getting high. One of my diabetic young men, I overheard speaking to my office receptionist. I can't stay near you much. You seem too sweet and I'm a diabetic. She said, that I was really sweet, but you are severely diabetic. So I put you on the top of the list today to see Dr. Siddiqui. So some patients take, gets obsessed to avoid anything that is sweet. One young female patient, insulin-dependent diabetic, walked into my clinic and said loudly that, Dr. Siddiqui, I'm as healthy as a horse. I replied politely, but that horse has diabetes, lady. Adults with diabetes are twice likely to have heart disease or stroke as people who do not have diabetes. Over time, high blood sugar from diabetes can damage blood vessels, in the heart and block blood vessels leading to the brain causing a stroke. More than two in three people with diabetes have high blood pressure. Diabetes also raises triglycerides and low density lipoprotein cholesterol, folks. Running home to your sweet nothing 
Smoking is a major cause of heart disease and stroke and causes one in every four deaths. That is 25% from these conditions. Smoking includes nicotine and people are forgetting since marijuana is legalized that marijuana also causes the same effects on lungs besides causing effect in the brain. Talking of nicotine, it raises triglyceride, a type of fat in the blood, lowering high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, which is a good cholesterol, making blood sticky, more likely to clot, which can block blood flow to the heart and brain, damaging cells that line the blood vessels, increasing the buildup of plaque, made up of fat, cholesterol, calcium, and other substances in blood vessels, causing thickening and narrowing of blood vessels. That happens we end up with hypertension. About 34 million U.S. adults smoke cigarettes, and every day about 1,600 young people under the age of 18 try their first cigarette. Compared to those at a normal weight, people with overweight or obesity are increased risk of heart disease and stroke, and the risk factors including high blood pressure, high low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, low high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol, high triglyceride, bad, and type 2 diabetes. In the United States, nearly 74% of the adults are overweight or obese. Smoking marijuana or consuming cannabis causes delusion, psychosis, and schizophrenia, folks. It doesn't help them relax, sleep, or kill the pain. A healthy diet can reduce a person's chances of getting heart disease. A healthy diet emphasizes fruits and vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy products, and lean proteins, and limits saturated and trans fat added sugars and the salt sodium. Physical inactivity can lead to heart disease even for people who have no other risk factors. It can increase the chance of other risk factors, including obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and type 2 diabetes. Only 24% of adults and 16.5% of high school students meet the guidelines for aerobic and muscle strengthening activity. There, it begins at a very young age. When people with chronic kidney disease have untreated high blood pressure, it can lead to heart problems, end-stage kidney disease, and early death. Improving blood pressure control in people with chronic kidney disease can help prevent or delay end-stage renal kidney disease. Evidence show that ACE, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, and ARBS, that is, angiotensin II receptor blockers can lower blood pressure and reduce kidney damage. Diabetes in general is a condition where a person is unable to handle the breakdown products of carbohydrates, that is, sugar, in a way a non-diabetic person would. 
This is important because the cells in our body rely on sugar to get energy. But this has to be done in a controlled way. There are two chemicals called hormones that are important in our body, insulin and glucagon. So those obsessed people don't want any sugar talk, sweet talk, and not touching any sugar. That's not going to work. Insulin acts like a key to unlock a door. When sugar levels go up in our body, insulin is released by the pancreas to open the door in the cells and let sugar in. Glucagon, the other hormone I mentioned, acts like a hedge trimmer. It breaks down the store sugars, carbohydrates, to increase the sugar in our blood when the dip is too low. Our pancreas is releasing these two hormones constantly to keep our body sugar levels fairly constant. People with diabetes have an issue with insulin specifically. There are many different types of diabetes, including gestational diabetes, which is seen in pregnancy, and steroid-induced diabetes, which is brought on by medication. The two most well-known types, however, are type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes used to be known as juvenile diabetes because it is the type seen in 90% of diabetics under the age of 25. However, we know that you can be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at any age. Type 1 is caused by your own body attacking the pancreas, which is called autoimmune response. As your body attacks the cells that release insulin, the amount you can release diminishes, meaning your cells cannot get the sugar in to make energy. As it is decided by your genes, you are destined to get at some point from birth. Usually a trauma or illness triggers the immune attack. As the cause is your own body attacking itself, there is currently no cure. Type 2 makes up the largest amount of diabetic cases with around 90% of all diabetes. This equals nearly 400 million people having type 2 diabetes worldwide, and this figure is rising every day. Worryingly, it is becoming more frequent in younger people. In type 2 diabetes, rather than not having enough insulin, they don't respond to insulin the way a non-diabetic would. Almost like the cells have switched off to open up signal so sugar again doesn't enter the cell. The most common factors in development of type 2 diabetes is having excessive body weight and insufficient exercise levels. With this type, there, is a, there are drugs, treatment to help you and you can reverse the condition in some people with life in some people with just lifestyle changes folks so diabetes is so serious in 2012 diabetes in total was the direct cause of 1.5 million deaths globally often it can be deadly before you even realize you are diabetic when sugars can't enter your cell they can't make energy the way they would normally, the signals to your body to start breaking down fat tissue instead, which makes the blood acidic. This acidosis can develop within 24 to 48 hours of the first system symptoms of type 1 diabetes. And if untreated, it can lead to unconsciousness, coma and death, which is seen 
in about 100 children every year. As mentioned in type 1 diabetes, hypoglycemic episodes can quickly lead to a patient entering a coma or dying within minutes. This can happen at any time of day or night, and so patients and their carers must be vigilant all the times. Now the good news. Newer glucagon-like peptide 1, GLP-1 receptor agonist drugs, are well suited for early use in type 2 diabetes because these stimulate release of insulin and suppress glucagon secretion hormone that raises the blood sugar. And only when blood glucose concentrations are elevated, thus the risk of hypoglycemia in this GLP-1 drugs, glucagon-like peptide agonist drugs, are doing an excellent job. These drugs mimic the action of a hormone called glucagon. That's why it's called glucagon-like peptide 1. When blood sugar levels start to rise after someone eats, these drugs stimulate the body to produce more insulin. The extra insulin helps lower blood sugar levels. Lower blood sugar levels are helpful, control, helpful for controlling type 2 diabetes. Lower blood sugar levels are controlling type 2 diabetes. Glucagon-like peptide 1 agonist, GLP-1, appear to help curb hunger. Though you have been used to filling your stomach, you'll start to feel the satiety, that is, a feeling of fullness. These drugs also show the movements of food from the stomach into the small intestine. So it stays in your stomach for a longer period, not just a huge bag that you created by all that overeating is now restricted and it leaves the food in there. As a result, you may feel full faster and longer. So you start to eat less. Along with helping to control blood sugar and boost weight loss. Hmm. Many, many American women and men are running after these drugs to lose weight. And that's good. Weight has been the biggest issue in this nation, folks nation of fatsos. Glucagon-like peptide 1 and sodium glucose co-transporter 2, in short, SGLT2 inhibitor seems to have other major benefits. Research has found that some drugs in these groups may lower the risk of heart disease, such as heart failure, decreases stroke, and decreases kidney disease. People taking these drugs have seen their blood pressure and cholesterol levels improve too. It is not clear whether these benefits of drugs or the weight loss, who the hell care about it? Look at the benefits researchers, researchers have found uh, so much of argument in the literature, and that's to me is which was first, the egg or the chicken? Time for some humor. But these are the real responses I have noted from my patients whom I advise on dieting or as such. After a month of dieting, Dr. Siddiqui, I lost 30 days. This guy lost nothing, but he gained weight. I'm on a seafood. I see food and I eat it. It's hard to diet, Dr. Siddiqui, when my favorite exercise is... Chewing dark. 
I have a condition that previous that prevents me from going on diet. It's called I'm hungry, Doctor Siddiqui. So stop giving sermon on diet. One guy translated each alphabet of diet as D for did, I for I, E for eat, T for that. Did I eat that? That goes on my mind when I see things on the table. The is eatables on the table food has never been never made me fat dark but scales always do that was one of the comment and one said i'm a light eater as soon as the light goes on i start eating then the other guy i'm pretty sure i'm allergic to dieting dark every time i start eating diet foods i get sick of them and they often asked Dr Siddiqui I know it's 3 meals a day that you have been saying but how many should I eat at night <laughs> You're listening to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care 2949 Elmwood Avenue in Kenmore call 716-800-3040 Hometown WLVL, 1340 AM. For all your health care needs, trust Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians. With 37 years of experience, Dr. Majid Siddiqui cares for patients of all ages. From pediatrics to geriatrics, you'll be seen by medical doctors with on-site state-of-the-art machinery for emergency or routine care. Located at 2949 Elmwood across from Kenmore Mercy. Walk-ins are welcome, most insurance accepted. Payment options are available. Call 716-800-3040 for Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians. Let's get back to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr. Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care in Kenmore. Once again, Dr. Siddiqui. Hospital rules, folks. I have been working all my life as a hospitalist, and there are many of such rules are funny. Hospital regulations requires a wheelchair for patients being discharged, writes the bureaucrats. A student nurse walked into the hospital that I work into a room to find an elderly gentleman already dressed sitting on the bed with a suitcase at his feet he insisted that he didn't need the nurse help to leave the hospital after chat about the rules and regulations of the hospital and he was made to accept rules mean rules he reluctantly let the nurse wheel him to the elevator On the way down in the elevator the nurse asked him if his wife was meeting him he replied i don't know he he said she is still upstairs in the bathroom changing out of the hospital gowns <laughs> folks i love humor because humor helps in illness too now This is what I have seen and witnessed in one of my hospice patient. An elderly man, one of my patient had been released from the hospital to spend his final days at home with his beloved wife. He is lying in bed when he smells the aroma of his favorite homemade cookies. Despite his frail condition, he managed to get out of the bed and make his way to the kitchen. Seeing a plate of freshly baked cookies, he reaches out 
a trembling hand to get one when his wife smacks him on his wrist with spatula, saying, Put that back. Those are for the funeral. Folks, once a wife, always a wife indeed. <laughs> Folks, the wife smacking on the wrist with a spatula on a dying man and saving those cookies for his funeral. Cancer is one of our nation's most feared diseases, with more than 1.6 million new cases diagnosed each year. But thanks to National Institutes of Health Research, this number is now falling. Between 1991 and 2014, cancer deaths rates went down by 25%. That's the good news. NIH research has transformed the way we think about cancer from affecting specific parts of the body to much more precise understanding of the molecular cause. For example, the drug Pembrolizumab is one of a new class of cancer drugs that works by engaging patient's immune system to attack his or her tumors. Doctors already use these drugs to treat some patients with several specific cancer types, including lung cancer and head and neck cancer. And very recently, it became the first cancer therapy approved by Food and Drug Administration, FDA, to treat any type of tumor, regardless of its location in the body, as long as the tumor has specific genetic features that make it much more likely to shrink after treatment with the drug. This is just one example of how genomics 
in our modern world has revolutionized our understanding of cancer despite gains. There's much work to do because research shouldn't stop, folks. Despite gains, there is much work to do. Many clinical trials are testing new targeted treatments as well as combination of different cancer therapies. With other federal agencies, National Institutes of Health is participating in Cancer Moonshot SM, a bold initiative to accelerate cancer research that aims to make more therapies available to more patients while also improving our ability to prevent cancer and detect it at an early stage. Should it not be the aim of all governments, good health for all, without wasting wealth on the causes other than health? Many people in America are more likely to get certain diseases and to die from them compared to the general population. One of NIH's greatest challenges is to understand and eliminate profound disparities in health outcomes for these individuals. We know the causes of health disparities are many they include biological factors that affect disease risk, but most of the causes turn out to be non-biological factors such as socioeconomic culture and environment. Teasing apart health outcomes that differ among racial, ethnic groups is providing clues. For example, NIH research shows that among cigarette smokers, African Americans and native Hawaiians are more susceptible to lung cancer than whites, Japanese Americans and Hispanics. Scientists are also intrigued by Hispanic paradox, in which U.S. Hispanics often experience similar or better health outcomes across the range of diseases compared with non-Hispanic whites. Understanding this advantage may help us to identify contributing factors and effective intervention. Lastly, I would like to talk about infectious diseases. Each year, about 23 million Americans visit a doctor's office or clinic seeking treatment for infections. Unlike many disorders, we know the exact source of most infectious diseases, and in many cases we have vaccines and treatments to fight them. One area of particular concern is antimicrobial resistance, a potentially deadly situation in which bacteria become resistant to most or all anti antibiotic drugs. We recognize this urgent threat and our scientists are working to better understand how microbes develop resistant to antibiotics. There is intelligence even at the level of microbes, folks. God has created in such a fascinating nature that even such lower of the lowest animals know how to protect themselves. But because no one knows when a new or re-emerging infectious disease will arrive and how dangerous it may become NIH, must remain vigilant and prepare with prevention strategies such as the ability to launch rapid vaccine production. Readiness for just such unwelcome health surprises also involves ongoing basic research on microorganism and human immune system. Ebola virus, which ravaged West Africa in 2013, killed more than 10,000 people and severely strained regional socioeconomic stability. When this crisis hit the world, NIH, home to the nation's largest medical research hospital, jumped into action as one of the four designated U.S. research hospitals to care for infected healthcare workers. NIH scientists worked to rapidly test a promising preventive vaccine and experimental Ebola. I have no time to go over COVID-19, but I cannot ignore HIV AIDS first appeared in early 
80s. More than 70 million infections and 30 million deaths have occurred worldwide, yet after decades of intense work by NIH and other organizations, and with continued persistent effort, there is a real possibility of an AIDS-free generation in, win, in which virtually no child is born with HIV AIDS. NIH research has already enabled HIV-infected individuals to have a normal lifespan without medication-related side effects once considered unmanageable, as well as how to prevent the spread of HIV. If we can find and treat all the HIV-infected people in the United States, we could prevent more than 90% of new infections every year. An infective HIV vaccine would get us to AIDS-free generations sooner and more importantly, would do help sustain the results to create world permanently without HIV AIDS. An HIV vaccine that is even 50 to 70% effective, I would say coupled with other proven HIV prevention tools would be immensely effective at reducing the rate of HIV infection. I have come to an end. Mr. Frank Miller is looking at me because the time is up. So I meet you next, the third Monday of January that falls on January 15, I will be back with conversation on breast cancer as it affects one in eight women. Hanukkah Samich, Chag Orim Samich, to our Jewish folks, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our Christian folks and the rest of the people who celebrate Christmas, and Assalamu Alaikum to the Muslim folks. Bye for now from Dr. Majid Siddiqui, MD. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversations on Healthcare with Dr. Majid Siddiqui from Elmwood Immediate Care, 2949 Elmwood Avenue in Kenmore. Call 716-800-3040. Hometown WLVL, 1340 AM. For all your health care needs, trust Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians. With 37 years of experience, Dr. Majid Siddiqui cares for patients of all ages. From pediatrics to geriatrics, you'll be seen by medical doctors with on-site state-of-the-art machinery for emergency or routine care. Located at 2949 Elmwood across from Kenmore Mercy, walk-ins are welcome, most insurance accepted. Payment options are available. Call 716-800-3040 for Elmwood Immediate Care and Family Physicians.